a and give me clothes of gladness. And so the longer you walk with the God the, the, and you are uh, walking with him, the slower you are in judging what you're going through. By that I mean that sometimes you think the very thing that is going to kill you, that God uses it and turns it to bless you. He, he takes care of you. Can you say amen? There's some things that God will turn. There's other things that God exchanges. God exchanges beauty for ashes. Uh, to get ashes, you have to go through the fire. It is in the fire that you receive the ashes, but when you give your ashes to God, he will take those ashes and give you beauty out of the ashes. He said he would give you a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And the good thing about trading with God is this, you never get the short end of the stick. You don't get less than what you get, God gave. It is always the greater that God gives you. And so when God asks you for a thing, he, he doesn't give it to you with the anticipation of getting something over on you. He asks you for it because he's got something better in mind than what you now have in your hand. That's the God that we serve. He said that man shall not leave his mother and his father, his house and his land. But he says, and not receive a hundredfold in this life. And so God is a good God to trade with. Isaiah 60 said, for brass he will give you gold and for iron he will give you silver. If you look at that and you look at the context of that, iron is bondage. You make chains out of iron. Prison bars are made out of iron. Silver is the price of redemption. It is the 30 pieces of silver that, that bought Jesus. And so it is the iron of the bondage of our life. And God said, I'll take, if you give me your bondage, I'll give you redemption. <laughs> You see, brass is a type of religion. He said, I give you, you got brass and I'll give you gold. Brass is a type of religion. It looks like gold, right? But you always got to keep working it. You got to keep polishing it. You got to keep maintaining it. And if you don't, it'll, get, it'll turn green on you. It's a false looking, a false uh, representation of gold, brass. And God says, if you give me your religion, I'll give you my relationship. Where you'll not have to work and the labor and the toil and to polish it all along. But you will live in me and know the reality of the gold. Amen. And, and so God not only does trading for, but he also does restoration. Jesus came to restore everything that Adam dropped. That's the reason why that Jesus is referred to as the last Adam. He isn't referred to as the second Adam. He is referred to as the last Adam because there'll never be another. He was the first, but he is also the last, and there is no need for another. Adam lost it all in the garden, but Jesus paid it all in the garden and got it back. Adam lost his mind, 
But Jesus took a crown of thorns and put them upon his head and caused the mind of man to be restored Then said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Adam lost the work of his hands until all he would do was labor and sweat and toil and not see anything but briars and thistles. But Jesus paid the price and restored the blessing that when they put the nails through his hands that now everything that your hand touches it shall be blessed. Adam lost the way of his walk and he was not walking the way that he should be walking. And so they put nails in Jesus' feet and restored man's walk with God that everywhere the sole of your foot shall tread upon, he said, I'm going to give you dominion. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you what you have, have the ability to walk on or to tread upon. And so God is a God of restoration. He restores and there in Luke chapter 6, there is a man in the 6th chapter, the Bible says he has a right withered hand. It is that, that important, why did he say a right withered hand? Because right hand represents authority. Right hand represents power. Right hand represents dominion. And the man had a hand, but it was withered. It, it wasn't functioning. It wasn't working properly. And so when we look at this man, his hand was withered. It represents the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist. And so it was there, but it was withered. We are living in a season and an hour when the, the gifts that God has given to the church have been withered. They're not functioning. They are available but not functioning. They're not working in the church properly. I would dare say most churches in America today only know of one gift or maybe two and that is a pastoral gift or the teaching gift but know nothing about the apostle, the prophet or the, the evangelist. It is true. And so, but the, we are living in that time when it is functioning, it is a part of God's church, it is a part of what God has given, the gift that God has given for the last day church, but yet it is withered. But Jesus spoke to the man and said, stretch forth your hand. And the fivefold ministry in the body of Christ has been withered, but the moment that the man stretched forth his hand, it, the, the, his hand began to work. And I believe that God is calling the church today to stretch forth its hand. That there is a restoration of the gift of the fivefold ministry that will return to this last day church. God is warning he doesn't give us anything we don't need. God doesn't waste his time giving gifts that are not good for you or needed. And so if he placed it in his body, there's a reason for it to be. And I will even go as far to say that the church will never be healthy and functioning as it should until the five-fold ministry is functioning within the church. God said in Joel chapter 2 and verse 25, he said that I will restore the years. Amen? Not the days, not the weeks, not the months, 
but the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palm worm. He said, I'm going to bring restoration of years. And I, I, I've been preaching now, I guess um, next week, week after next, June the 28th will make 40 years that I've been preaching this gospel and I'm blessed and so honored to do so. And I've been around long enough to know that in the, in the 80s, that in the mid 80s, in the late 80s, there was a move of God and there was a great power of God. But, but there has been years. I'm talking about the power of God. I'm talking about the God of heaven that settles in on a place and people know he's present. People that don't even know about God, but they come in and they experience him even though they don't know what it is. They know that he is present. That there is a difference than in the church than there is at the Moose Lodge. There's a difference in the church than there is the social club. That there's something that causes us, what is it? It's the anointing. What is the anointing? You can call it a lot of things and you could preach for 10 years and never exhaust the anointing. But if you bring it down to its lowest common denominator, the anointing is the presence of Jesus. And wherever the presence of Jesus is, chains are being broken, bondages are being destroyed, lives are being changed, sick are being healed, the oppressed are being delivered because of the anointing. And you see, God says that I'm going to restore the years that have, that have been robbed from your life individually, but I want to look at it this morning as corporately. That the years that we have lost, the, the, the momentum, that years that we have not seen the manifest presence of God as it should be in the church. I'm not saying that God has left us. I am saying that we have not been functioning in the realm that we need to be functioning in. But they, and there's the caterpillar has come, the canker worm has come, the palmer worm has come. And we see that it has eaten away at the very core of the church. But God said, I'm going to come in this last day and I'm going to restore to you the years that the locusts have devoured, that the worms have taken away. Thank God. <laughs> Amen. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> I said, he said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means if Jesus ever did it, he's still doing it. That means that if it's ever been done, it can be done again. That means that if it hasn't ever been done or you haven't ever seen it, that he said, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those who love him. God is the only one that can reach back into your yesterday, bring it into your today, and cause it to serve your tomorrow. He didn't even put limits on it. 
He didn't say like, if it isn't your fault, I'll fix your yesterday, bring it in. But he said that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means if I messed up, if I sinned, if I come short, that he will take my yesterday, bring it into my today, and cause it to serve my tomorrow. Amen. He said, I'm going to restore the years of your life. Years of bad decisions, I'm going to restore it. Years of running with the wrong people, but I'm going to restore it. Years of acting crazy and doing the wrong thing, but I am going to restore it. Whatever ate your harvest, whatever has taken your dream, whatever has caused you to give up on your purpose, God said, I am going to restore it. Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house when he, to raise a 12-year-old daughter from the dead whenever he ran into this woman who was an older woman who had an issue of blood. Now, can you imagine this father having Jesus' attention and taking her, him to, to her, his daughter who is 12 years old and is dead, dying? And this older woman who is old in age, and but yet she has an issue. Her issue is her blood. She is dying. She is sick. The old woman speaks of the church who is sick and dying. And he goes, Jesus in his infinite wisdom and power knew there was no need to go resurrect a 12-year-old girl, bring her into a sick environment for her to only die again. Are you walking with me? So in his wisdom and power, he stepped aside and said, wait a minute for the 12-year-old girl and goes and heals the sick woman who has an issue that is she is bleeding to death and dying so that when he goes and restores life to the 12-year-old girl, right? Because when you read this story, you will find out that this woman has had an issue for 12 years. The same age as the little girl, the day she was born, this woman got an issue. Are you with me? And God's about to heal the church. God isn't going to bring in a last day harvest for it to come into a sick culture and a sick environment where we're just going through with the mundane and with the rituals of religion. But he is going to bring a restitution. He is going to bring a healing. He is going to heal our culture. He is going to heal the church of the living God so that it will quit bleeding to death. And it will not be where that it is sucking the life out of people, but it will give life to people. That this will be a place of resurrection and not a place of death. This is not a place of mourning, but this is a place of dancing. It's a place of rejoicing. It's a place of celebration because he has turned our mourning into dancing and our sorrow into joy if you believe it give him a little praise right here today you see God knows what he needs to do he said don't bother the master the, your daughter is dead Jesus said she's sleeping there's a generation that this generation is said is dead. 
have no hope for this next generation. They say they're worthless, they're doless. They don't expect nothing out of them. Can I tell you why you don't get anything out of this generation? Because there's no demand put on them. And when you don't put a demand upon the ability and the gifts and the talents of a thing or a person, you won't get anything out of it. We need to raise the standard, not lower the standard. We don't need to lower the bar, we need to raise the bar. Because this generation is gifted as any generation, if not more gifted in other generations. But somebody's got to put a demand upon the gift that is in them. Amen. And God's not just put this generation here so that uh, they can just go through the mundane. He has gifted them because they're going to need that gifting to do what this last day church needs to do. You see, it was a Moses that was confused about his gifting and his calling, right? He goes out there and he, he goes to start killing people and doing all of these things. And this rage was inside of him. But the reason why that he killed the Egyptian, the reason why that he did all of these things is because there was a militant spirit put on the inside of him. But he didn't understand the militant spirit and why it was there. But he thought it was to kill the Egyptian. He thought that was his enemy. But the reason the militant spirit was on the inside of him is so that he could take and point his bony finger in the face of Pharaoh and say let my people go it takes somebody with authority it takes someone with a militant spirit that arise up out of the ashes of, uh, of problems and difficulty and hardship and say I'm not going to live here another day it's time for God's people to come up out of this and I believe that God has put that kind of spirit in this generation they're confused they don't know why they have a militant spirit but I know they're a soldier in the army of the Lord. It's going to take some people with tenacity. It's going to take bold people. It's going to take courageous people. It's going to take militant people that'll say it's not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of the living God. Amen. He's going to do it. You don't just let people talk you out of this generation's revival. Because restoration precedes revival. And God said, I'm going to restore it so you can have revival. Amen. God said, I'm going to restore the years so revival can come. I'm going to say that again. God said, I'm going to restore the years so that revival can come. Verse 28, he said, and it shall come to pass afterward. After what? After restoration. After restitution. You, you look up that word restoration there, you're going to find out it really in the original translation is restitution. It's a more powerful word. But he said, I'm going to bring after restoration. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon my servants and handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in heavens and in the earth and blood and fire and pillar of smoke. And I will pour my spirit out on good Christians. I will pour my spirit out on faithful folk. 
No. You see, God blows your mind. God don't say, I'm going to pour my spirit out on the ones who love me. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on the heathen. I'm going to pour my spirit out on the unbeliever. You see, God's bigger than just people that are looking for him to find him. He'll, he'll have pagah moments. Pagah, it's a Greek. It's talking about God moments where there is a meeting, a divine appointed a meeting for you and for God. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. The heathen is going to have it. That yes, the saints are going to have it. But then people are going to have to choose what they're going to do with the presence of God. Are you going to receive this outpouring? Are you going to allow him to, to restore the years of your life to you? Or are you just going to say, no thanks, I don't want it. But it is available to everybody. I said, it is available to everyone. He said, it doesn't matter if you're young. He said, on your daughters, I'm going to give it to them. On your sons, I'm going to pour it out. He said, on the old men, I'm going to give them the power. On the handmaidens as well. It says to the young, to the old, I'm going to pour my spirit out. And he said, I'm going to show wonders in the earth. I don't know about you, but I've often asked myself, what is it going to take for America to repent? What's it going to take for us to, to hear the heart of God? What is it going to take for, for the world, America, to turn back to the church? You know, there was a time whenever people got in trouble, at least they had come to the church. Right? I mean, when things weren't going home right in the family, they'd come to the church because they knew they could get answers at the church. When people were sick, they'd come to the church because they knew there was hope at the church. When situations of life got heavy in the Great Depression and 9-11, these kind of things would happen and people would come to the church. Huh? But today we've got so, so, so much gospel today. I don't know what it is, gospel hardened hearts or what, but we have got so, so uh, 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 used to this world and its hardness. That people can be going through trouble in their marriage. They can be sick. They can have, have, have cancer, infirmity, disease. And they don't even think about coming to the church. They don't look at the church as a source. They don't look at the church as a place of refuge. They don't look at the church as it, it, there's hope there. But God said in this last day I'm going to turn it around. And I'm going to show wonders in heaven and I'm going to show wonders in the earth. I'm going to display my power. I'm telling you today that people say, well, you know, I don't like those lights. I don't like that smoke and fog and all that mess, whatever. Uh, yeah, I can take it or leave it, to be honest with you. But this is one thing I know, that God is a God of a sight and sound show. Amen. He, 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 on the day of Pentecost, he released his power and it thundered like the heavens and it came into the earth and everybody that was around knew that something had happened in that upper room. Amen. I'm telling you that when he comes back, because you see the things that God does, he can't do it in a back corner somewhere. He can't do it when he raises the dead. Everybody in the town knows the dead have been raised. Every time that he opened the blinded eyes, they said, here's 
blind Bartimaeus, but he isn't blind anymore. You see, when he does this way, it shows himself strong and mighty. It isn't something that can be done and hid in a corner. And I'm telling you that there's a sight and sound show that's about to happen. The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with the shout and with the voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ are going to rise first, and we that are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with him in the clouds of glory forever. But before he returns, there's going to be a power that is going to be released upon this last day church to do our work. How do I know that? How can I be so confident? Because if God was finished with us, we would not still be here. But there is a work for the church. There is a purpose for the church. And God isn't going to leave us here ill-equipped. He always gives you more than what you need for the task. So don't let anybody talk you out of the signs and wonders and the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. It's still for the church. I said it's for this last day church. His store, there's things he will rebuild. In Acts 15 and 16, it said, After this I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. <clears throat> Moses' tabernacle had a veil that separated man from God. Jesus came and the Bible said that while he was on the cross and that was part of the resurrection power that, that he tore the veil, he rent the veil from the top to the bottom letting people know it was not a man thing but it was a God thing. Tore from the top to the bottom. David's tabernacle had no outer cord, it had no inner cord or veil. Once you stepped into the tabernacle, it was just glory. Amen. In other words, the old tabernacle represented works. You had to work your way into the presence of God. You had to step, stop by the laver. You had to kill the calf. You had to take the blood and you had to work your way in. And if you were uh, successful at your work, then you would go into the holies of holies. And if you weren't holy enough, you would be killed. But David's tabernacle doesn't have an outer, an, a middle, or an inner, or a holy of holies. It is just that we have now come have access to the grace of God, the mercies of God, whereby we can step into his glory. And God is restoring this last day church where when you come in, it's glory. It's not just about us going through the process of life. It is not about us just going through the season of life to try to accomplish a thing. We are experiencing his goodness, his grace, and his glory upon our life. The Gentiles were the outcasts. They were the unbeliever. And God is going to restore the tabernacle in such a way that the world is going to see what we've got and want it. Amen. This isn't it yet, but I'm telling you, 
that what we have available to us, the world is going to want. Because we resemble death more than we resemble life. We resemble being beat down and, and can't get no help. But there is a day coming when we're going to not need the worship leader or the praise team to push and us into the presence of God. You won't need a great preacher. Thank God for those gifts. But it will be glory that is coming and we'll be drawing from that source of heaven. Amen. And we're going to see it. And when we see it, we're going to arise and shine for the light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Can you give God praise for that today? <coughs> David's tabernacle, he wasn't ashamed to take off his kingly robe. He wasn't afraid for, to see people, uh, people to see him going after God. Not afraid for what people would say, the expectations of people. He just knew that he needed the presence of God. You see, you can be more dignified under the anointing than you can a three-piece suit. When his anointing comes, he will, he will show you something you have never seen before. He will empower you and he will give you the grace to carry his anointing. In 2 Kings chapter 8, there is a story of a Shunammite woman whose son Elijah had raised from the dead. And then in verse 1, it said, then, uh, he says, Then he spake unto Elijah, saying, The woman whom the son has restored to life, saying, Arise and go thou into your household, and so journey wheresoever you can journey. For the Lord has called you of the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of a man of God. And she went with her household and so journeyed in the land of the Philistines for seven years. Now, when you read this entire story, it'll make more sense to you. But this woman has been uh, a woman that has been taking care of the man of God, the prophets of God. And she, her, her son has been restored to life. But now the word comes to her and says, take your son and leave your land. Right? And go away. Why? Because there's no reason for you to, to for God to raise your vision, your dream and, and then not be able to see it only die again because it is a famine. And so when the prophet speaks, it is potential, possible potential. Potential was born and then it dies. The Lord calls them to go into a famine for seven years because what good is it for God to revive your vision or your dream, but you have nothing to feed your dream or to feed your vision. And she is gone for seven years, allowing her dream to grow. And then she comes back and talks to the king about getting her land back. And when the moment that she walks in and asks, starts wanting to talk to the king, now Elijah is over there, over there, and he is talking to Gehazi and saying, Look, that right there is the woman I'm talking about. That's the very lady right there. That's the one whose son has been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. <coughs> you see, if you'll listen to God, he can put you in the right place at the right time. Amen. 
I said, if you'll listen to God, he'll put you in the right place at the right time. He said, that's the one right there that Elijah has raised her son from the dead and said, now here she comes. And Gehazi said, that, uh, there he said, O king, this is the woman. And this is her son that Elijah restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. And then the king appointed her a certain officer saying, Restore all that her, uh, is hers. And all the fruits of the field since the day she left the land, even till now. Are you hearing me? Not only did she get her land back, she got paid for all the harvest while she was gone. Amen. She was appointed an officer to enforce it and make sure that she received everything that was coming to her. <coughs> Can I spiritualize this this morning? In this last day, God is going to restore to the church everything that the enemy has devoured. Everything that has been taken away. That the harvest that should have been reaped have not been reaped. There is going to be a, a, a payday. I said there's going to be a revival of souls. There's a revival. There's a renewing. There's a restoration that is coming. And there's going to be a, a payday for all of the years of a lack of harvest. Because you've got to agree with me that, that One Life Church has not received all of the harvest of the seed that has been sown into the ground here. The prayers that have been prayed throughout the years and from generation to generation. And we have yet to see that harvest that is to come in. But oh, I believe with my heart this morning that God is sending us a officer. What is the officer? It's called the Holy Spirit. He is the comforter, but he is also the enforcer of what God has ordained in the earth. And he has sent the Holy Spirit to make sure that you and I get everything that is coming to us. Every prayer that has been prayed, every tear that has been shed, every time we've called their name in prayer and said, God save them, deliver them, set them free, and it hasn't happened yet, but God has sent the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, that in this last day, we're going to say be healed and the enforcer's going to make sure it happens. He's going to say be saved and the enforcer is going to make sure it happens why because the spirit of the Lord has come and is going to enforce his word in this last day his word will not return into him void but it will accomplish that where it has been sent and if we're bold enough to speak his word the enforcer is going to make sure it comes to pass if you believe it give him some praise here today Got one more scripture for you. I want to go home. Acts chapter 3 and verse 21. Whom the heavens must receive until the time of restitution or restoration of all things. Restitution of what? The gifts. God cannot come back. Jesus cannot come back 
until the restitution of the gifts are in place in the body. When the fivefold is restored, get ready. When you see the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in the church, get ready. Amen. When you start seeing the harvest, the revival, the souls coming, the sons from afar and our daughters from the ends of the earth, get ready. Because the harvest is coming in. How do I know that? Because restoration means you get it back. Amen. You get it back. You get it back. Restoration, you get it back. That means if T here stole my truck and he's out there running around in it and runs all the gas out of it and I catch him, I get it back. Right? But I can't get the gas back. And that means a lot today. Huh? But I get my truck back. Are you with me? Now I know some folk can do without a truck, but I got a Chevrolet. I won't get started on that. One day when you grow up, you can have a Chevrolet. You've never had a truck, and I've got to shut up. (laughs) Right, David? Amen. But anyways, if I catch him, he's got to give my truck back, but I don't get the gas back. He ran out. That's restoration. But when you look at that word, it it says in its original, it is restitution. Restitution is stronger than restoration. Because restoration, you get the truck back, but restitution means that I get my truck back, he's got to pay me for my gas, and he's got to pay me for the time that he's had my truck. Amen? The time I was without it has to come with a price. And God is saying there's a payday coming. (laughs) There's a payday coming, church. There's a payday that's coming whenever we're going to not only have restitution, but we're a restoration, but we're going to have restitution when we get paid for all of the sorrow, the hardship, the difficulties, the time that we've been without. There's a restitution that is coming to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, stand up with me this morning. How many is ready for restitution? Thank you, Father. Not just restored, but restitution. Whereby I get paid for everything the enemy has caused me difficulty in. Right? Glory to God. Maybe you have some things that just not only need to be restored, but looking for restitution you believe in God for your family you believe in God for your health you believe in God for things in the realm of of financial whatever it is you you've gone through the difficulty but you say I'm not going to go through that and not have restitution 
Have you ever gone through things and say, this just ain't the way God intended for it to be? I have. I have. I've been walking through days of my life and I knew it was hell on earth. And I knew it wasn't nothing God intended. Amen. I've prayed prayers I know God has answered and it didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. I know that wasn't the will of the Lord. But let me tell you, restitution is coming. I said restitution is going to come. And we're going to receive everything that God said is ours. And so today, if that's in your heart, if it resonates with you, let's just put a yes on it here this morning. However you desire to do that. If you want to come stand at the altar, you want to whatever, come kneel at the altar. If you just want to worship where you're at, whatever. But let's just put a yes on this. Let's believe God for something significant in our hearts today, okay? Come on, let's do it. Oh